hey, this lady's French. Her name's Chantel. No, 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 no. She's from Australia. Her husband, is he's, even, he's from England. All uh, right, all right. <laughs> I wonder if he's Australia. Yeah, well, he's course. a poem. <laughs> oh, I, uh, ladies, <laughs> Chantel. Now, Chantel is from the Kings Lake Distillery in Victoria, in Australia. Chantel, welcome to the our podcast. And, Hang on, uh, I've got my one. Hang on, now. Sorry about that. <laughs> At the moment, it's now, not a bedtime. <laughs> it's bedtime. Now, we're early in the morning. And uh, Chantelle's in the evening, and she's getting, we're interrupting her getting the kids to bed. But I have a solution, Chantelle. You own a distillery. Give me to, <laughs> don't, don't, no, don't be giving Don't kids. be doing that. Don't be doing that. We'll be getting Zuckerberg, Marty. We'll be getting yeah. Zuckerberg. That's what my granny used to do. My granny used to do that. He put us to sleep. <laughs> so, now, the King Lake Distillery, it's carbon neutral and leading the way in. in uh, the fight against climate change, really. Now, how are you doing that? How how did you initially set the distillery up to to do that? Yeah, so um, yeah, I guess we're we're located in the bush, so we're like a mountain range um, that overlooks uh, the main city of Melbourne. Yeah, so when we brought the property, it was completely off grid. So. Um, yeah, so we built it up from there and then once we've been running and selling whiskey, we decided to go the next step. You know, you hear all these disaster stories about the planet and that you need to do something and just sort of putting your plastics and your paper in the right bin never feels like quite enough. So, yeah, we took the leap to, you know, reach carbon neutral with our product. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big procedure but... Yeah, it's definitely something we hope that other people can jump on board and try and I do. would imagine you've got loads of free solar panels down there or they're expensive, <laughs> but the sun comes free, Chantel. Yeah, that does help. Probably a little bit trickier than for you guys over there. But uh, oh, King Lake's a little bit, I had its own microclimate. So um, it's not, you know, it's not Bondi Beach or anything, but... Um, yeah, we still get a little bit more sun than you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we use solar panels to keep our hair dry. <laughs> no, no, uh, so the, the stages of making whiskey are actually they're, they're fairly energy intensive. In, in terms of being um, kind of the environment, in terms of certain farming practices, it's quite good. But there's some of the processes of making whiskey that are energy intensive. So, for example... The, the, the heating the stills how how did you how do you do that or how do you mitigate that yeah so i guess the the big energy sapping is um and then when you're off grid you don't have mains to heat water so i guess it's heating the water for the mash tun um is a big one because mm -hmm. we do quite big volume so our mash tun is like two thousand liters so it's a lot of water that needs to go in with the grain and needs to be at a certain temperature so that's quite um, a hard sap of energy and then the next one is we've got a 2,500 litre pot still so boiling mm. that for the stripping runs and the spirit runs um, yeah just real energy sapping so the only way we could do that being off mains was to get a boiler and we operate that by steam so that's the bit that was our trickiest part um, becoming carbon neutral is you can't use solar panels for such a big boiler like that so yeah. we'll have to do the yeah carbon pay for our carbon footprint um 
by the government and then as time goes on and technology changes, we can probably get off the gas and then use some other better sustainable source to heat the boiler. Um, yeah. No, you sound like you, you know. Go ahead, Josh. Now you sound like you know what you're doing, right? And Marty usually interviews people that know what they're doing. This is the thing that scares me: how he manages to find you in the bush in, in Australia. But what, what's your background then? Because you know, uh, English isn't famous for its whiskey yet. It's getting there, uh, and well, Australia has a bit of a background in craft distilleries. But is your family into whiskey, or, or? no, no? Just my partner and I um, just love spirits. Really, always have. You know, um, talked about gin ages ago when we lived in London. But, no, whiskey was definitely the more kind of spirit that we wanted to make. So when we had the property in King Lake when we found it, yeah, it sort of has the perfect water source, so it's natural, so it can go unfiltered, untouched into our mash tun. It's got all the minerals. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely whiskey. And, yeah, it's just a passion. Instead of we sort of came from hospitality, so instead of selling it, we're actually making it. And I love making things. So it's kind of like a happy buzz for me. But <laughs> no, you, apart, you could have gone down the jam route. Apart from just doing <laughs> whiskey, it's nice to make something. Now, where you are is, is probably more susceptible to climate change than a lot of areas, I assume, because you are in the bush, and the likes of the likes of wildfires. I mean, we we saw some of the horrendous fires in, in Australia and and in the US last year. So. I mean, this must have been a concern, or is that, did that prompt you to go down the, the carbon neutral route? Uh, yeah. I mean, we are in a fire risk, so the big fires that hit us was sort of about 10 years ago, um, and that was a really, really big fire where we lost people, um, a few li- lot of lives. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you just you keep looking and you keep getting told all these things that are changing, and it's just, yeah, it's yeah, well, I think feel sad and you sort of feel like, can I really do yeah. anything to make a difference? I think that's the biggest thing. You sort of think, wow, is this really going to make a difference? But then I guess every step forward is better than just standing yeah. there kind of thing. And that's kind of, yeah, what got us to go go with it, yeah. just, you know. Make like, it, your logo is King Lake is different, so is the whiskey. So how's yep. King Lake different and how's the whiskey different? Oh, I don't think I've ever been asked that question. <laughs> um, we had King Lake sort of always been more like a little bit of a, you know, obviously it's the mountains from Melbourne, always a bit of a bit, bit rough, bit of a hillbilly sort of existence. Um, locals never really wanted anyone to come, so tourism's always been on the quiet. Um, it was sort of like this is our area, go to Yarra Valley instead. <laughs> But times are changing and a bit like, you know, all the big cities are sort of expanding and they're coming closer and moving mm. out. So, um, yeah, so it's a really big shift for this area to be the next sort of Yarra Valley big hotspot. So that obviously helps us yeah. Um, yeah. with us. But, yeah, it just always there's always been sort of weird myths up here. People say they've seen Black Panthers. They said they've seen kind of yowie things, which are these monster things. So... And weird stuff happens that sort of um, are not explained. People might go missing. Uh, <laughs> well, oh, listen, I've got to ask you, where is Marion Barter? Where is Marion Barter? Where <laughs> is she? Hang on, hang on. Hang on. My, my great uncle, my great uncle <laughs> immigrated go. to Australia. He immigrated to Australia years ago. 
and all I heard was he had disappeared. And nobody had ever, no, he never heard sight or sound of him again. And then I did a family tree and found out he's actually buried. Not very, he's buried in the Yarra Glen, which you say is just at the bottom yeah, of the, the, the mountain. Yeah. So he disappeared. He just disappeared. Now, he had a family, but it, it was very strange. So we can understand what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> People just he wasn't ate by a panther, by the way. He just died of natural causes. <laughs> well, how do you know? You don't know. <laughs> but, That's yeah, a good point, I guess- actually. I guess our whiskey is different in a sense that um, it tastes the way it tastes because of where it's made. So if someone tried, they could copy, you know, we're open, transparent. We tell people what's our mash bill, what's our grain bill. Um, but again, you know, if you try and make that somewhere else, it's probably not going to taste the same just no. because of the natural water and it's aged outside so, or, you know, in the bush. So open ferments and stuff. So. Open ferments in the bush. God knows what beyond that. Yeah. We didn't <laughs> <laughs> Black Panther sipping the match. <laughs> seven in match. Now, your mash bill is four different types of, of malts, uh, three from New South Wales and one from uh, heavily peated from Scotland. Now, explain the, the combination of what you have. Yeah, so both of us like similar whiskies. We just wanted to try and make something as complex as possible. So we've got um, a bit of a chocolate roast in there. Um, and then just an atlas and one sort of bit of a biscuity and a bit of a cereal mm-hmm. kind of ones. And then, yeah, we wanted a bit of peat but not too much. Um, so we put about 18% of the heaviest peat that we could get from over in the UK. And then, yeah, so and we'll always keep the same recipe bill. We're going to, um, yeah, we like to think in 50 years' time people will do a blind lineup and say, oh, yeah, that's that's King Lake yeah. whiskey. So we'll just use the barrel to change the taste. But, yeah, so that's our... Excellent. Now, in terms of volume, how, how much are you, are you how big's your stills, really? Yeah, well, miniature to anything you call over there. Um, I, wouldn't, I, not, the- I wouldn't say that because we have lots of small <laughs> distilleries too now. So I remember I was looking at some of the ones in Scotland, they call them a micro distillery and they're like 100,000 <laughs> litres. We're like, uh, we're sort of at ten to 20,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could eat, no. We've got the capacity. We've got the capacity. We've probably increased to fifty, but then we sort of think you lose. You sort of, you know, you're stepping out of. We want to be the handmade Australian single malt whiskey. I think once you start yeah. making too much more, then you're stepping into sort of a different bracket. Well, it's impossible to do everything by hand and scale it up. You know, exponential scale. Otherwise, you have so many people tripping over each other. Um, but what happens yeah. if somebody big comes along and makes you an offer you can't refuse? <laughs> Chantelle, enough to buy a chateau in France or something like that? <laughs> um, no, we've sort of chatted about that. Um, it'd have to be a lot, a lot. I mean, I grew up, I grew up here, so I'm kind of um, happy to sort of be back. So it's not something I'd want to sell. And King Lake yeah. becoming quite a popular area. There's not that much land that is up for sale very often. Actually, there's probably nothing at the moment. So, um, yeah, not not convinced. I think it'd just be a nice business to pass on to our kids as well, if we can. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be thinking, thinking of the future and you're heading, heading that way and getting yourself established and thinking about the future is, is basically in the DNA of the whole company by the sound of things. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Now, there's, there's a lot of distilleries has popped up in Australia, um, mm-hmm. a lot, uh, it seems. And uh, 
why do you think that's come about? Is it just a move to towards the brown spirit industry or, or the gin industry? You know, why why do you think Australia has become another hotspot for for whiskey? Mm. I know. I think um, I think over here they tend to jump on and think that is sort of new and sort of happening. Obviously, Sullivan's Cove helped with getting that award yeah. a long time ago, and then. Yeah, I think people work out, actually, you know what, we can give this a go. And, yeah, as much as there's, like, sometimes you sort of worry, oh, is it going to get too flooded, you know, too many people. But there's so many different distilleries that are different set up. You've got some that only produce 3,000 or 2,000 litres a year. Yeah. That you know, more the tourism sort of trade Then you've got sort of us. We sort of sit in the middle. We're a bit different because we've sort of got the handmade but still maybe a little bit of volume. Um, mm-hmm. But then you've got the big ones that are, yeah, sort of 100,000 yeah. litres. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. I think it's nearly become sort of like every town wants a brewery and a distillery. So when people are touring around, it's like, oh, this is one, you know, so it's sort of like maybe taking over maybe the vineyard um, kind of approach where everyone wanted to go to a vineyard to have lunch or have a taste. I think it's distilleries and beers are sort of the new, new Destination thing. marketing, destination yeah. marketing, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, we always think of, of Australia as beer drinkers, and then you started moving into the wine, and now you're moving on to spirits. <laughs> so now you're covering all bases. So, yeah. Well, hopefully we're becoming healthier, you know, sort of, you know, spirits is more about, um, you know, if you don't mix it, it's cleaner, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, if you don't mix it. But, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, your, your whiskey is O'Grady Stand. What's that? What does that mean? What What's that? Yeah, so the distillery is located on um, O'Grady's Road. Um, and basically, my husband in particular is right into history. I'm probably from Australia. You don't tend to be in history as much when you grow up with it, everything being young. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, he's right into it. But, yeah, so the lady who lived on our road um, back in the early 1900s, she used to get, you know, and back then women didn't really, like, go down to the courts in Melbourne. She used to protest about mining shouldn't happen up here it should be produced because of our land and the soil being so good. So, yeah, she was pulled out of court like a couple of times from the police and so she's really quite stubborn but obviously <laughs> amazing because she just kept it sort of as much as she could. So we thought, um, yeah, we'd name it after her, O'Grady's, which is her name, um, <laughs> Dan, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's nice. Now, you have... You're saying that you're, the, the cereal you're using is um, chocolate and one's heavily peated. You're using deep cuts. To, yeah. to, I assume that's to bring out more of the, the, the sort of oily, heavier, um, yeah. a little bit of phenol taste to it, is there? Yeah, and just to try and get out that peated. So with the still that we got done, made from um, sort of probably one of the biggest or the biggest Australian still maker down in Tassie, um, we asked him for the biggest um, downsloping lime arm you can get. Get so the mm-hmm. you know you got the pot still goes to the condenser. So that's supposedly trying to help with getting a more of an oily mouthfeel. So he was like, "That's as steep as I can possibly get it for your still." <laughs> so yeah, and then cutting into the deep. So I mean, again, people say you get more imperfections imperfections in the spirit when you cut further in the deep. So it needs to sit in the barrel longer. But we're willing to sort of weigh that up to get a more complex flavour. Um, if it yeah. needed to take longer, then it needed to take longer. That's just what we wanted. Now, you're aging in uh, bourbon casks from Kentucky. Uh, how, how, with with your climate, um, how, does it age Does it age faster in, in where you are? 
Yeah, it's about um, even though you know, we're not super hot, we're kind of in the mountains, so it's a little bit different um, than sort of other parts of Australia. But yeah, it's, they kind of say it's about half the time compared to you guys mm-hmm. over there. So um, our whiskey only has to be in the barrel for two years, and then we can call it whiskey. Mm-hmm. But then if we wanted to export, then it'd have to be the three years the same as you guys. But yeah, it's yeah. half the time. So we use we've got fifty liter casks for this batch, and um, yeah, you wouldn't want to leave it in probably any longer than two years. It's ready. It's like done. I, are you, with using fifty liter casks where you are, are you are you losing a healthy percentage of this? Is it a lot? So yeah, you think by the time you order in the two hundred liter, um, they're not too bad ex bourbon ones, but then it costs you know probably five six hundred dollars to try and cut it down, and then all you're getting is fifty liters. So it's a big, it's a big um, outlay. It costs uh, us probably yeah, it's over ten times as much to cut that barrel down. But then we know we've got a product in sort of two years, so. Yeah. We, um, you know, what do you weigh up? You know, and we decided that a lot of distilleries do sort of gin and vodka and other products in between to sort of keep the cash flow, but we kind of felt that that sort of took away from your whiskey distillery. You know, you're not yeah. a gin, you're not a vodka. So we just um, sold everything we own uh, and put it in for the ageing process. And even though obviously the barrel being more expensive, but then it's better to have money, some money coming in after a couple of years than nothing. So you're, let me get this right, you're buying the casks from Kentucky, shipping them to Australia, getting them recoupered and cut down to, yeah. to a quarter of the size, really. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then this, this, this sounds nuts, if I'm totally yeah. honest. It's just, it's a, yeah. It's the only way to kind of guarantee being ready, you know, and it yeah. really does depend on the summers as well. Um, yeah. If you've got a really hot summer, then it sort of brings it on better. But yeah, depends. Yeah. Crazy. Now, but... Yeah, about crazy, about crazy. Now, you are, you're non chill filtering, I assume. You don't chill filter? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Non chill. Um, and you're bottling at 46%. Now, it's 100 Aussie dollars. Uh, do you? How how wide is your distribution? Are you getting just Australia, or are you exporting to other places? Yeah, so I guess about the hundred dollars. When we set up, we wanted to be, a, you know, a, we thought it would be an honest price to have at around hundred dollars. A lot of um, small people like us would charge a lot more, which is fine, great, good on them. They've got no problem with that. But yeah, we just want to be something that people buy the second bottle, third bottle. You know, if you're charging yeah. 160 to $200, then, um, yeah. yeah. And you also got to build a brand. It's not fair to sort of turn around, have a product and say, oh, okay, it's $200 and they've never tried it before. It's a bit, you know, you sort of think more <laughs> of the customer. But, yeah, no. Yeah. Our approach is me, I go around to sort of the bars, well, when they're open and restaurants. Yeah. So at the moment it's more bottle shops because bottle shops are all open and then um, we use Australian Post so that allows us to go all over the, over Australia. So we're targeting the other states as well and, yeah, we're hoping to sort of get across. We're talking to someone in Canada and hopefully the UK, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Now, there's a few other uh, things. that uh, When you do these open fermentations, um how how successful is this? Because that's 
fermentation is really one of the it's where all the flavors really created and if you're doing the open fermentation how do you how are you mitigating what what you're going to end up with yeah we kind of we still need to pitch um the distillers yeast and then yeah. just because bush we don't have like pollution around us you know we're not having yeah. trucks or anything going past our biggest pollution is like fighting off the kookaburras and snakes, <laughs> not to be honest. Yeah, so we just put a net open. Um, we're in a shed, so the doors are way open and just let it go, really. So um, yeah. they're all temperature. We've got a little temperature gauge. We, yeah, just control it by um, that. And we're quite lucky because the jackets we've got, the spring water that we use is cold enough to actually flush that around there to chill so we can kind of, you know, produce all year round so we don't have to use any glycol system so we're quite lucky there but yeah yeah do you think lockdown has actually helped you Chantel uh because you know you've had time to focus on things and concentrate on things and mail orders probably taken off for you yeah yeah I think it is I think well we always sort of worked on um social in like Instagram in particular when we we're starting off so we kind of had a bit of a following before we actually started selling but yeah, yeah. I mean bottle shops over here are just you know happy you know, they're all just like ram. So I've been able I guess the only thing is it hasn't allowed us to sort of get into bars and restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, people are interested. People are definitely drinking when they get like the news from the government and say they're gonna be in lockdown for another four weeks, you can just <laughs> sales are up. Everyone's like, Yeah, get in the car. Right, out we go. Out in the car. I, you know, I have a friend. The exorcist, I call him, right? Because he, he he comes in and gets rid of all my spirits. When we went anti lockdown, this is true. When we went anti lockdown, our government, our local government, decided they were going to close all the off licenses, all of this. Now, the exorcist absolutely crapped himself. So he got the wife. He has no idea how to use Amazon. He got he got his wife Joan. He got his wife Joan onto Amazon and ordered twelve bottles of whiskey and thirty six bottles of wine because he thought it was going to last. He thought it was going to last a month. <laughs> that's, that's gospel truth. He's mental. This is a guy. He's, he's seventy six. <laughs> he's mad as a heart. Now, well, um, I did the same, Marty. I actually ordered a year's supply of EHT milk in case we're in lockdown because I like <laughs> milk and my tea and coffee. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. And throw most no. of it out. So <laughs> <laughs> you do it. Now, uh, you're going to it's like the keep doing. Paper oh, I, yeah, that was not. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Nuts. People fighting over toilet roll. My God, what's the world come to? Now, you're just going to stick to the whiskey. You yep. are currently bourbon cask. Do you, you, you mentioned that you might change the flavour with the different cask finishes. What? Yep. What? What? would you like to see or what, what are you planning to do or what would you like to see? Yeah. So I guess we're just planning on building the brand on the ex bourbon. So having, mm-hmm. um, we're going to try and sort of not do single cast releases just so people, we want to try and build a consistent line, which is a little bit different, I guess, for yeah. sort of small scale for us. Um, we just feel that it's just a better way to build a business. People know what your taste is. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, you, you know, is it, we just think it'd be so hard to keep up with new cast releases all the time. You know, would you last doing that? Like, I'm just thinking about how you're going to cut down a sherry, but not quite to, um, we cut them down to 100. Even, even, then, people, even then, they'll just like, are you sure? Because they're, they're expensive, you know, they're more expensive. They're just like, what are mm. you doing? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, do it, do it. So, yeah, we've got some port, some sherry, some we've got a big brandy one, but we didn't cut that down. So it's about three hundred and fifty liter barrel. That probably won't be ready for you know fifty years. Yeah. We've got some rum. We experimented with a bit of red gum, which worked a bit, worked actually okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've got an Islay one just to see how that goes. Not yeah. sure how much because if if they the Scottish distilleries are trying to get rid of it, how much good. There's a few distilleries have tried the, the finishing in ex-Isla casks and calling it peta, and it just doesn't work for me. It just tastes artificial. It just t- it tastes like it's on the surface. It doesn't taste as if it's got the, the peat through yeah, its DNA. Yeah, that's what we're you know? sort of thinking. But yeah, it doesn't and really it sort of open for anything, really. Um, maybe get some mulberry and some chida. We're sort of um, cherry tree, but we're kind of like – you can sort of have so many different things and then, you know, so yeah. we're sort of thinking we'll just really find which ones we really like and then probably just stick with, you know, maybe three or four yeah. from there. Well, all those Yarra, Yarra Valley wines, it's lots of white ex-wine casks down there for you too. You just go down and I, knock the, knock the neighbour's door out with the pitchfork, go away, strangers. I know, I know. We need to approach them actually. But there's so many people that are doing the wine cast. So, um, but then there's yeah. so many people doing port and sherry too. So, yeah, no, we have to definitely um, make some whiny friends. Yeah, make, make some whiny friends. I, I have lots of whiny friends. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just down there. <laughs> now, now, keep up the good work. Uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I think where you're doing it's fantastic as well. And uh, yeah, and stay in touch because it's 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 important people people need to lead the way on these things and uh, you're doing that so thanks very much maybe next time we'll um shift it around and you can have have a taste of the whiskey while i'll be in the morning Might be a bit ah, that, that, that's a good idea i like that idea just now <laughs> We, 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 we love that idea. Actually, at least you've future-proofed yourself because you'll eventually, Mad Max will eventually come and looking for you because you're the only <laughs> place making alcohol in the future. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist that. Couldn't resist that. It's one of my favourite movies. Um, but, no, thanks, guys, for um, yeah getting in touch and having the time to have a chat. It's great. You have thanks very much. We have to go and get the kids to bed. We have to go and get a day's work done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, great. All right. Bye bye. Thank Sasha. you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Catch the live show Saturday nights, 10 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. Ask your smart speaker to play Irish Whiskey Review podcast. And remember, you can support us at buy me a coffee slash Irish Whiskey. Mm-hmm.